from Good Travel and New Zealand Awaits, we're Josie Major and Debbie Clark. Welcome to Good Awaits, the Regenerative Tourism New Zealand podcast. Under the shadow of the global pandemic and climate crisis, tourism is facing enormous uncertainty and returning to business as usual is no longer an option. Our people and planet are relying on us to reconnect and reimagine. The Good Awaits podcast is a platform for the collective discovery of a new way forward. It's great to have you join us on this journey. Kia Debbie I'm Debbie Clark, founder and owner of New Zealand Awaits. Kia ora, I'm Josie Major, New Zealand Programs Manager for Good Travel. Welcome back to Good Awaits. We're excited today to welcome to the podcast Porena McLeod. Porena grew up in Tauranga and Mount Maunganui, pursued a musical career performing across the country for over 25 years. When her voice changed suddenly, she embarked on a journey to redirect her path and ended up on the ocean on a stand-up paddleboard. East Coast Paddlers was founded by putting his cousin and his wife, passionate water people, avidly involved with the local ocean sports community. Porina eventually took over the business in 2016. Now known as Moao Adventures, they offer stand-up paddleboarding, waka ama lessons and guided walks of their mountain, Moao. Porina also facilitates healing processes for herself and others through her mahi and her connection to the elements and te ao Māori. Moao Adventures' core purpose is to connect people with the moana, the whenua and tangata whenua. We really enjoyed talking with Porina. Her and her business are such an amazing example of regenerative tourism in practice. And I'm sure that you will find a lot of value in hearing her story. So we hope that you find this conversation enlivening and that it sparks conversations for you and your communities. We invite you to consciously listen and to engage with what resonates with you. So I'm Porina McLeod from the Three Iwi of Tauranga Moana. Welcome. It's wonderful to have you with us. Hi, nice to be here. Porina, we'd love to know how you started out. What led you to working in the tourism industry? Yeah. So it's not something I chose. (laughs) The tourism industry is not something I chose. Um, It sort of fell in my lap. Um, I'm a a musician by trade and have been for almost 30 years. But um, say maybe six or maybe somewhere between six to eight years ago, my voice changed quite dramatically and and immediately. And... um, I haven't, and it hasn't come right since and probably got worse over time. Um, So I, you know, after much reluctance, I had to find something else to do. Um, I um, trialled different, uh, you know, avenues and, and studied a few different things as well. I knew that I enjoyed self-employment and you know being my own boss so I explored different um, business opportunities 
and uh, sort of landed in this mahi. Um, it was owned by my cousin and his wife. And I did some um, work for them to start with, just helping them with their accounts. And then from there, and you know, maybe a year or two later, I ended up um, helping them with instructing on the on the beach, stand up paddleboarding instructing. And then started managing the beach, and they sort of, you know, started sort of taking less um, notice of things. I suppose they 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 were less involved after a time. And then come the time that they um, wanted to actually sell the business, and I was in the position to um, take it on. So yeah, that's that. It's now become my thing to do. Um, over the I've. I took over in 2016, and over that time, we've sort of spent some time, yeah, sort of entering the tourism sector a little bit more over that over that time. Mm. Yes, yeah, we'd love you to speak more to your business and and the work that you do, and and also about your co-papa and your your sort of vision because I think you've got these amazing. Uh, principles at the at the heart of your business. So if you if you could talk to us about that, that would be wonderful. Yeah, sure. So my business is Moao Adventures. Um, essentially, we connect people with the moana, with the ocean, and the you know the taiao, the environment in general, um, the whenua here, the the land, and also us, you know, as tangata whenua. Um, we do that with the use of stand-up paddle boards, um, waka ama, and um, also guided, you know, guided walks and nature walks. Our underlying principles that guide everything we do are um, haumarutanga, which is safety. So we like to practice and promote safety in the environment and especially out on the ocean. That's um, not only for us, but also for, for our locals, it's for, you know, mainly with locals in mind, you know, because we're surrounded by the ocean and um, we see lots of people coming into the, into moving into Tauranga and even our own, you know, people that are, have been brought up here. When it comes to the ocean, people are still reasonably fresh around the area. So we like to connect people more with the ocean. Um, but also our visitors as well. So you know they they get the um, they get that as well that experience. Um, then is um, kaitiakitanga, which is you know taking care of our environment and, and each other as well. But um, we like to promote um, ways to take care of the environment environment and also to look at the, you know, the land and the ocean as we do, you know, as sort of personas and, you know, part of our being and our family, you know, that we, that we need to take care of. Um, we like to promote that and um, offer that whakaaro or that mindset to others and for them to take it, take that back to their own countries and their own lands to, to adopt that as well. Kaitiakitanga then is um, manakitanga. So manakitanga is big for us as Māori, which is hospitality. Our reputation is built on our manakitanga, you know, so we like to make our visitors 
and our locals that come to visit us, um, we like to make them feel like family, which brings us to Fanaungatanga as well, making everyone feel like family, you know, come as visitors and leave as family. And then um, Kotahitanga, so we have lots and lots of different people of many um, colours and sizes and creeds and, you know, um, racial backgrounds. Um, we like to um, make everyone feel like they're equal with us and, and for us to feel equal to everyone else as well. So it's, you know, it, it's a give and take thing. Um, um, so, yeah, that, that's it. Kotahitanga unity and, and oneness. Thanks for that. That's great. Yeah, it's great to hear you speak to your values <laughs> like that because we, you know, this podcast, we're talking about regenerative tourism, right? And we've been through this course with Anna Pollock and Michelle Holiday. And for many of us, this living systems way of thinking where everything is, you know, alive is quite new. So I'm keen to hear whether this way of thinking is new to you or not. Absolutely. I mean, the the mahi itself, you know, the business itself is ever evolving. You know, so it is a living thing. We, you know, we we when I started, it was it looked like this, and now it's you know now it's looking like this, and then I'm it will keep continuing to evolve as each year passes. For for our mahi, it's it's pretty much seasonal, right? So that season, obviously, is the summer season. And um, during that time, we are in the work. You know, we are operating and, and, you know, running everything and operating all our services and whatnot. And then after the after it comes this, this time that we're in now, and it's coming up to Matariki. Um, that's a time for us to, you know, reflect and rest and sort of start strategizing and um, helping the business to evolve to what it's going to look like and feel like for the next season. So it's um, just like how you would garden, you know, um, harvest your gardening or nurture your garden. It's exactly how, how we, you know, operate our business as well. So this is an important time and the thing is at the moment I'm actually trying to generate activities for us to do in the winter and I'm already thinking about how much I'm going to miss, you know, this time to rest and recoup, reflect and, um, you know, take the time we need to plan for the, for the coming season. So, yeah, yeah, that's what regenerative um, business looks like for us. I think that's really important what you're saying because one of the things that comes through in these conversations is that this work takes a lot of time, right? And it takes time for that that deeper level of thinking that's so hard to do when you're caught up in the, you know, like you said, the day-to-day sort of running in the summer season. Um, so, right. so one of the things that comes through in, in this regenerative tourism work, and I think you've already touched on this a bit, is is the importance of of place and connection to place as a sort of core to this style of of work and, and style of thinking. Could you talk to us about what your place, what Tauranga Moana means to you, and also about the work that you do as a as a steward of or as a kaitiaki of your place? 
we have uh, cruise visitors coming into Tauranga. We don't get to service them often because they're usually, you know, in a in an older older age group, um, and stand up paddle boarding isn't something they like to do. <laughs> so, um, but we do encounter them. We get to talk to them as they, you know, walk past, or they might might ask ask directions or ask us about the area. Um, it just surprises me how beautiful they find um, this area after all the, the places they've visited. Um, you know, it's just a it's just a beach and a mountain, but um, to them it's so stunning. Like I've seen them, you know, in awe of the beauty of this place. So the impression that I get is that um, they're really talking about the upkeep. You know, so how us as locals have have kept this place beautiful. Us as a nation who stands for the care of our of our lands and our ocean. You know. So to me, that's an indication of us and, you know, not only as locals but as a nation, how much we stand for kaitiakitanga, you know, just naturally, um, whether it comes from our Māori culture and the, you know, the values we stand for and continue to stand for or whether it's just a thing that happens when people come to this land, they have the, you know, they have the, they are compelled to, you know, practice kaitiakitanga just naturally. Um, for me, Tauranga is, um, you know, my place of birth, but it's also the place that my ancestors have, have tread for generations. And not only my Māori ancestors, but my English and French and Scottish ancestors as well. You know, they came in, they married into into our culture. They lived our culture, actually. So, you know, um, we've got some not-so-nice history with, um, with, with um, the integration of Europeans here, but then we've got some really awesome history as well, and we're, you know, we're proof of that. So that's that's what my love for this area is, is, is just that whole whakapapa, you know, just it's just quite prideful to be of the of this area. Yeah. And you play an active role in taking care of it, I guess, right? Yeah, because it because this isn't this isn't a chosen path for me. It's something that's been handed to me and kind of kept falling into my lap. So I take it as a responsibility that I've been given, you know, in, in the mahi that we do on the ocean and on the whenua as well. So so COVID has been a disruptive time for all of us and it's shown us that we need to be adaptable and be able to change. Have there been some surprises or opportunities that you've seen through this time of COVID? Absolutely. It's only been an opportunity um, especially in in the line of mahi that we do in the you know in the environment, the first opportunity was actually seeing what happens when the world when the world stops and you remove humans from the environment. That was the first opportunity and proof to us that we're a bit of a disease to the earth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the second opportunity was. For, to have a rest, you know, have a real proper rest and actually take our mind right off tourism and um, think about our community 
and um, how we can serve our community from here, you know, from here forward, putting putting the community first before tourism, before anything else. Um, we're using the, you know, in our mahi, we are using public spaces, you know, um, that belongs to our community. <laughs> they pay the rates here. And so we, it was a good opportunity for us to um, think about how we are going to serve our community, share what we share with tourists, you know, uh, to our community that isn't going to break the bank, that isn't going to break our bank or their, you know, their wallets. Yeah, and so, and then, and then the third opportunity was to actually, you know, just help, not so much redesign, but diversify everything we do. So we were able to go more into the education sector, to totally take our focus right off tourism at completely, and we've um, yeah gone further into the education se- uh, sector, um, into the health and wellbeing um, side of things as well. So we've had a few organisations come through to us, utilising our services for. Um, mental well-being, physical well-being, you know, even spiritual and emotional well-being as well. Um, yeah, so that's been, it's all, it's been nothing but opportunity for us. Yeah, great attitude too, right? Great for you to see those opportunities and to think about doing things differently moving forward, which is the whole purpose of this podcast, yes. to help, you know, for all of us to see the opportunities in this moment. And I love, I love, I love yeah. the first one that, you know, looking at nature and how things came back and that as people, we, we're, we're yeah. a big negative when it comes to nature. We, we have been. It, yeah. It was, mm. That's right. Yeah. It's quite saddening to know. And I mean, I'm, I'm still emotional about it. It's quite saddening to know that we were going to be released again <laughs> you know I just wanted for the earth just to breathe and be free of our presence and oh, our gosh we just you know we just take over this place and there's just no room in no room for the environment to breathe um you know it's actually after lockdown it took the environment a little while to realize that you know, for for it to realise that, oh no, it has to share <laughs> share with the humans again. The humans are back, yeah. you know. <laughs> and so we'd be out on the water, and um, we'd see, you know, stingray, and oh my gosh, and um, and Pilot Bay, where we operate from, there was a day when the dolphins came in the morning, and they stayed the whole day and left wow. at about five in the in the afternoon wow. they just stayed and played around in the you know around the boats and you had people out on their paddle boards in their kayaks yeah. just hanging oh. around with the dolphins yeah it was amazing um another thing was is that we had orca come all the way through to a place that they haven't come to for decades it's a natural feeding ground for them it's just full of stingray and they haven't come through this area yet. They've got to pass the port. They've got to pass the um, main, uh, you know, the, the strand, which is the main town area in Tauranga. 
and and then through to this natural feeding ground, you know, that they used to frequent often. And in fact, there's three mountains there that we've got a legend, you know, legend, those three mountains represent three whales. Yeah. So that was amazing. And they've been in maybe three or four times again since. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty awesome. But now I've noticed that they've stopped coming through already. <laughs> so. Hmm. Porini, you you've been a part of this. Uh, you're a part of this collective that has recently officially launched Tifano Tapoi Maori or Tauranga Moana. We'd love you to talk about how that collective has formed and and who's been involved in in that work. So um, we've been given this amazing opportunity through Tourism Bay of Plenty, who. Two and a half years ago, so before lockdown even, which is good because we had that time to sort of build things up. Um, before lockdown, uh, two and a half years ago, they um, they started an initiative to build Māori tourism in Tauranga. They, uh, they, they did a survey of our visitors uh, as to what they, you know, what they would like to see or what they think of Tauranga and what they would like to see here. And so it, there was quite a big response back about the lack of um, the presence of Māori culture and tourism. One of, the, one of the things that was said is that they come into Tauranga and they don't even recognise that they're in New Zealand because there's no representation of the Māori culture, which is a surefire way to tell whether you're in New Zealand or not, right? Um, um, so from that, um, they obviously saw the need for Māori tourism here and then started an initiative to build, to generate some sort of Māori tourism presence, you know. Um, there was also already one or two operators, um, you know, doing their thing. There was, there's a Marae visit um, at our hangarau, um whānau, um, one of the marae here, um, have been operating for over 10 years. Um, and then other than that, yeah, not much. There's been like few little things that have, you know, started and stopped over the years. And then there was, uh, there's us who's doing what we're doing, but we're not, you know, loud and proud in a Māori sense, you know, up until then. Um, so... So from that from that initiative, uh, Simon Phillips was appointed to the role of um, building Māori tourism here. He came from Māori tourism New Zealand, so you know he already had a background in that area. And um, slowly we built up this collective of um, tourism operators um, or you know, up and comings, people with ideas around the tourism um, sector. And we've spent the last two and a half years just building a relationship, um, helping each other grow. Um, tourism Bay of Plenty have thrown us a whole heap of workshops and opportunities for us to, you know, develop in our businesses as well. And then just recently, um, well, actually over lockdown, we decided that it would be a good idea to actually form an official collective. 
And so it's taken us that whole year to come to this point now where we are an incorporated society and we represent Māori tourism here in Tauranga. Um, it is gov- uh, well, it, it's operated by us as, tu- as um, operators. We are separate entities, but we come together to help each other, to nurture each other, and to help you know build the Māori tourism presence here. Yeah, it's a collective that um, represents Māori tourism here in Tauranga, but it also has an aspect of it that you know, we are to maintain the integrity of the three iwi that are here. So tell us who's in, tell us who's involved, like who are the operators? Tell us a little bit about the different operators as part of this collective. Cool. So the great thing about this collective is that we've all got something different to um, contribute to the, to the group. So there's us who, you know, we do stand-up paddleboarding, waka ama and guided walks. Um, then we've got um, Te Ara Tourism. They do um, e-bike tours. We've also got Tanaka Whenua Tours. Um, they do land-based um, guided tours uh, with a vehicle. And we've got Mo's Matakana. So they are starting a tourism venture on Matakana Island. Uh, we've got another guy with a with a boat, a launch. So he's going to start ocean-based excursions. We've got another rangatira, Rion Tuano, who is establishing more um, land-based um, tours as well, very cultural ones. And we've got Tauranga Moana Tours. They are a marae-based um, experience. We've got Travel Ed. Now, he is also a land-based guided tour um, venture, but he also is education-focused um, as well. So Travel Ed, it's, um, that's put together for, with um, international students in mind. So at the moment, obviously, there's not many international students coming in. So he's just taking the time to build his business up and then he'll go back into that sector once that opens up. Who else? I'd hate to miss anyone, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's also Ngā Kahi. Now, they are a, a wellness business. So they use um, rongoa Māori, which is traditional Māori medicine and traditional Māori massage techniques. So that's them, Ngātahi. And then there's um, Tāpoi Tourism. So she's well established as well. She does bespoke um, luxury packages. So she puts packages together for visitors and um, they've got, you know, the packages definitely seeped in, you know, Māori culture. So this is exciting for her because now these are Tauranga presents. Otherwise, she's you know always sent them to Rotorua or other you know other areas because there's nothing sort of Maori to offer uh, offer here in Tauranga. The diversity within those that collective within the businesses is just amazing. I think that's so exciting. Yeah, there's room there's room for more too. So we're hoping that. Um, you know, that just keeps growing uh, with more Māori tourism operators. There's so many more things. There's so many gaps um, to fill. And, um, yeah, so hopefully they get filled <laughs> sometime soon. 
I love that perspective that you say that there's room for more because as I'm listening to you talk, you know, you mentioned a couple of land-based excursions. There's several um, operators that are that are working out on the ocean. And so some people could think, wow, that's really competitive, right? Some people could think you're all competing against each other, but clearly you have a different perspective. Absolutely, yes. I don't consider any one competition actually. Um, even, you know, non-Māori operators that are doing something similar to us. As long as there's a differentiated, you know, thing that we do, what differentiates us is that we are Māori and we definitely take a Māori approach um, to things um, and we share, you know, what we do as tangata whenua. So that's, a, that's totally different to, to our buddies down the, you know, down the beach that do similar things. And he does it his way, you know, and he does what he does well. Um, that's the same with us as a Māori collective. We are all supportive of each other. And um, and we help each other to differentiate ourselves as well from each other. So, yeah, so that all bases are covered and all gaps are filled, yeah. This, I think, uh, resonates so much with the living systems language that we use in, in regenerative practice as well. You know, this idea of the divergent, different perspectives and different people coming together and, and what can emerge from that can be really surprising yes, and amazing. Yes, that's right. We've all got a um, part to play. And um, for myself, you know, there's maybe two or three other like stand-up paddleboarding um operators in Tauranga, they're passionate about the ocean, you know. I can't take that away from them and or they can't take this away from me either. You know, we've these are our passions and I wouldn't want them to do anything different, you know. As long as we are differentiated and we are serving a, a purpose different from each other, it'll be kind of silly to be serving the same purpose, you know. So yeah, nice. Yeah. Room for everyone. So yeah. it's taken some time. You talked about this collective starting before COVID. So have there been some challenges in creating this collective? Because I think one thing that we're trying to help people understand is that this work to be truly regenerative does take time. Um, there might be things along the way that we have to work through and that it is an ongoing process, right? It takes time. And so have there been some challenges that you've been able to work through as a collective? Yeah, or? for sure. Yeah, there's always challenges working with people. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you take the, you know, take the forming, storming, norming, performing um, uh, model, yeah, that's exactly what's happened. So we, you know, we all got together and it was all lovely and like, oh my gosh, and, you know, it's so awesome to be meeting all these other operators. And then it gets to the nitty-gritty on, you know, how we're going to move forward. That's when the storming comes along and we're trying, you know, we're, we're battling each other's, you know, ideals and ideas, you know. So that's happened. <laughs> and then you've got that, you know, you've got that lovely norming time where, where we, we've established where everyone stands, you know, and what everyone's hopes and dreams are and then you come to this you know point of of respect for each other you know okay so that's what what you want to do this is what they want to do and you know let's let's meet in the middle and um 
now that the we've recently incorporated ourselves, we're just we're just in the performing stage now. So we 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 all understand each other. We've all seen each other's um, qualities and faults, you know. And um, now we can just get on with business and get the mahi done. <laughs> awesome! <laughs> love it. I love that. Yeah. I've never heard that forming, storming, norming, oh, okay. performing. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That's gold. Yeah. I love it. And so what's so sometimes there's something that helps you all through that. Has it been a shared vision or what has been what has helped you through that storming yeah, phase? Yeah, definitely the shared vision of, you know, a, a, a strong representation of Māori tourism here in Tauranga, something that's been lacking forever, you know, my Parents and their parents never got to um, take that up. Um, people wonder why, and we've had this asked so many times. You know, why isn't this? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? You've got us, and you've got Rotorua who are just like nailing their Maori tourism industry, and they own it. You know, my whakaaro, my thoughts are that we've been impacted differently, right? So. Rotorua potentially have been given the chance, you know, to thrive in that in that area. Um, they haven't been inundated with a year, or it took maybe a, a little longer to have a strong European influence over there. So they were able to learn from the European, um, the introduction of you know European ways here. And, and develop themselves and, and um, you know, take over that, that sector there. Whereas we have been, it feels like we've been fighting since the, their arrival, you know. Um, you've got our our European whakapapa, which, um, which is quite positive. Our, our European ancestors lived amongst us and lived with us and, and um, accepted the culture. Um, where there's even a book written about my French ancestors and it's called, I think it's either called, yeah, it's Pākehā Māori. Yeah, that's what it's called. So um, our French ancestors really integrated themselves in the Māori culture and they are buried in our in our urupa, you know, in our cemetery. Mm. Yeah, and we're quite proud of, of that. That's what we like to promote. That hey, we can live together as you know, as one, and that's what it is. It's not um, assimilating; it's integration. Yeah. So that's my reasoning behind why we're such latecomers is that we've just been impacted differently from our neighbours just an hour down the road in Rotorua. It is interesting. Yeah. Christian had talked about sort of the truth telling that's part of the experiences that you're offering mm. now. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's quite an amazing time to be Māori, actually. Um, there's lots of positive things happening for us, and you can actually feel the, you know, the collective wairua um, lifting. And we're starting to have quite substantial um, triumphs here in Tauranga. Our three iwi have just succeeded in um, in a curriculum that's going to um, involve, like you say, the truth-telling, the, the real stories of this area, and that's going to go in all the schools of Tauranga. 
So our three year we are working together to put a curriculum that's going to be entered into all the schools. Pretty cool, eh? That's amazing. <laughs> that's really exciting. How long yeah. Has that taken? <laughs> Yeah, too long, yeah. <laughs> too long, yeah. too long. Mm. But that is coming from the iwi. That it's that it's the stories from their perspective. That, that's right. That history is going to be shared, not stories, but the history yeah, is going right. to be shared. And like yeah. I say, it's it's not only negative. It, there's very positive history there. You know, when it comes to European integration and not Maori assimilation. Yeah. Yeah. And there's examples and and hope in that as well. That's right. right. Yeah. Where we can go. So before we get to our last question, um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the image that's behind you and your business. Tell us about the beautiful picture behind you and some of the experiences that are on offer if we come and spend some time with you in Tauranga. So for our listeners... (laughs) The picture in behind me is a lovely green space and freshwater space. So, and and then a whole bunch of kids on stand-up paddleboards. Um, that is Lake McLaren, which is a um, still a hidden gem that um, right in our own backyard. Um, we take people up there for quite a different experience to what we do on the ocean. Yeah, it's quite a it's quiet. It's green, it's freshwater, and it's very magical as well. It's a magical little spot. So that's just one thing we do. What we do is we offer stand-up paddle boarding experiences, whether it be, you know, hires, you know, just a normal hire, equipment hire from the beach, um, or um, lessons. But we also do adventures. Like I said earlier, essentially what we do is we connect people with the taiao, the environment. We do that using stand-up paddle boards, waka ama, and guided walks. So for folks who don't know what waka ama is, because we will have listeners that are international Hi. listeners, can you explain what that is? So waka ama is an outrigger canoe. <laughs> um, it's close to our traditional way of travelling. And, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a canoe. That fits six. The ones that we use for for the group bookings fits six people in it, and it has an outrigger to stabilise the canoe. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yes, we have lots of fun. We love sharing the ocean and our love for the ocean. We love seeing people grow as well on the water. You know, so they come out, and sometimes they, some people have never been on an ocean yeah. before, or might have just dipped their toes in. And some people have like lots of fears. So we love breaking all of that down. And um, yeah, we've learned to work with people's fears. That's one one of the things we ask is, you know, what are you scared of if we're out on the ocean? We're scared of what's in the ocean. We're scared of embarrassing ourselves when we fall in, you know, scared of not being able to get back on the board. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, it's wonderful. So putting it, you've, you've, you've given us this beautiful image of of the work that you do and and some of the pieces of hope that you're seeing coming through we'd love you to to tell us what you think a reimagined industry tourism industry looks like for Aotearoa or for Pūranga Moana specifically if you like but what do you think what does that look like for you that well yeah what regenerative tourism looks like to me is actually going back 
to the old way of how of how tourism was, you know. Not so many cruise ships, cruising being a, you know, luxury bucket list thing to do, not a readily available, you know, affordable thing so that you've got cruise ships just hooning around all over the world. You know, that's what it looks like to me. Um, same with just international travel in general. It's a um, it's a bucket list thing to do, you know, rather than just jumping on a plane because it's so affordable to, you know, hop around the countries and, yeah. That's what it looks like to me, to be le- less impactive on the environment, not just here in Aotearoa but all over the world. You've got some places that are just... I look at, you know, what tourism looks like to them. I'm like, I'm like, how does the land, how does the land survive through that? Yeah, then the ocean, you know. So that's what regenerative tourism looks like to me. It's actually taking it back and going, you know, taking some lessons from, yeah, times past, yeah. Well, listeners, welcome to our harvest segment of our podcast. Josie and I will chat a little bit about um, the conversation with Porena, which was wonderful. And I think, um, Josie, I'd like to talk a little bit about the conversation we had with Porena in terms of regenerative tourism. I want to try and make it transparent for people why we think Porena and her business and the collective that she's part of, why they're great examples of living systems thinking and practice. Yeah. So I think, you know, initially she, the way Porena sees the world, her lens on the world is that everything is living and everything is connected and everything is interdependent. So she talked to, she actually said the land and the ocean, they're part of our being, part of our whānau, our family. Absolutely. And and within her business as well, right, even if you just look at her, uh, at their business values of kaitiakitanga, manakitanga, whanaungatanga, kotakitanga, it's all about connection to people, connection to the environment, uh, bringing people together and promoting unity and oneness, which is this, you know, it just accentuates this idea of the interconnectedness of all of these people and and of the those people to the planet as well. Mm-hmm. I really liked as well how she talked about the seasons and how in tourism often it's our business as operators is very seasonal, right? We have we have an on season and off season and she talked about this as as a cycle, almost like like a garden where there is a time for mm-hmm. nurturing and and looking after the soil and preparing for the next season. And then there's a time for harvesting that and for seeing the the life emerge and the 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 you know the garden flourish. Mm-hmm. And I think it's particularly relevant at the moment as we record this in Aotearoa, it's Matariki, which is the Māori uh, New Year. Mm-hmm. And it really is a time for rest, rejuvenation, recuperation, and for thinking about what's next. And I think that idea of of thinking of our the way we do business 
as nurturing a garden and and with this Mm. sort of cycle of life is really profound and and beautiful. Yeah. And I think um, definitely reflective of regenerative thinking, living systems thinking. She's even said she sees her business as a living thing for all those reasons that you just described. And then the collective, right? That's another example of the next, the next circle that we go, the next ecosystem that she's a part of. Yeah, that's right. And I love how they sort of overlap, right? So it's her as an individual within her business and the way that their, their business operates. And then it's them as a business, as a part of this new collective, Te Whānau Tāpoi. And I think what was really amazing about the way that she explained the collective is just how much it resonates with this living systems mm-hmm. principles. We talked about if we're going back to these universal living systems principles that we talked about with Michelle Holiday, you've got the divergent parts, which is in this collective, you've got all of these businesses with different, different activities, different values, perhaps coming together and celebrating their diversity You've got the relationships and the structures which the collective is giving them, right? It's giving them the mm-hmm. connections and relationships to come together. And then from that comes this emergent whole and, and this beautiful uh, collaboration that in which they can achieve things that they would not be able to as individual businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she talked a lot about nurturing and supporting each other, right? And um, sort of figuring out what they're going to be as this collective and as individuals within that, that that it was really about how they differentiated each other, you know, each business from the other. And there was room for all of that. It wasn't competitive at all. It was deeply collaborative. It is collaborative and it's ongoing and, and supportive. And, you know, what's coming out of that, I think, is very exciting for all of them. So all of those things we just talked about with with putting a story in her business and the collective are definitely clear examples of regenerative thinking and regenerative tourism. And I think one of the things I wanted to touch on too, Josie, was this idea that regenerative tourism and regenerative thinking is a complete paradigm shift. Um, and so we just talked about how she's how Porina sees herself as part of a, an ecosystem, a larger living system. Um, and I think I want to just spend a little time with you on that because I think that's, you know, all of our guests have been really open and honest about their journey. We're all on this journey, right? Eliza last week was so honest about her journey and how her thinking has really shifted through her career. Um, And Porina was really honest, I think, when she talked about, um, you know, what the future of tourism could look like or should look like in her mind. It's placing the land and the ocean first, right? She talked about when COVID hit, how there was this opportunity to see the world stopped without people and wildlife came back. And so this is all, I think, interwoven in this profound shift that is needed for us to be really honest and open and truth-telling about where we are on the planet and where we are as tourism businesses and how we move forward and how we see ourselves, you know, do we even see ourselves as, as part of a living system? I think that's, that's the challenge and maybe that's the offering Mm. to our listeners um, that if you are really wanting to be part of this shift 
to a new paradigm, to a different story, a different guiding story, to one that is regenerative, then it's important to take a step back and to look at where you're at honestly, to do that truth-telling and to think about how you can start to really consciously see yourself more as part of these larger ecosystems that we're all embedded in. So we want to thank Porina so much again for joining us on the podcast. It was a wonderful experience to interview her and to learn from her and to continue these conversations together. If this has resonated with you or you feel called to get involved, please send us your takeaways, what's inspired you or what you feel called to do as a result of this conversation. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us on our website, goodawaits.podbean.com or on Instagram and Facebook at goodawaits. Our episodes are out every Wednesday morning, New Zealand time, and you can find us on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to be notified every time an episode comes out, you can subscribe on your podcast app. And if you would like to leave us a review, we would really love to receive your feedback. We'd like to thank both the New Zealand Awaits team and the Good Travel team for all your support, specifically Erin Carnes for your graphic design and also Clary Macklin for your wonderful music and production. And thanks, thanks to you too, Josie, for all your effort in this podcast and the hours of editing that you're doing. And thank you to you, Debbie. It's such a privilege to work with you on this. Thank you for everything that you bring to the podcast. So thanks again for listening to Good Awaits. It's great to have you join us as we harvest the stories of our regenerative tourism journey in New Zealand.